Hey, Dre, I need to correct something from a recent episode because I actually don't know what 1,609 meters is. <laughs> On behalf of all New Zealanders everywhere, what the fuck is a mile? Welcome back to Motorsport 101. That was a wonderful toss there from uh, my colleague, Dwayne Wade. Uh, welcome to episode 454 of Motorsport 101. Um, and uh, welcome to what our, our American buddy, Mr. O'Connell, has named, and I quote, some semblance of American pride. Yeah. Even- <laughs> Mostly because it's a little bit of a hybrid show. Uh, we, we like dabbling in other series every once in a while. It's, it's part of the fun. And we felt like we had to talk a little bit about NASCAR in Chicago just to top up the Kool-Aid of IndyCar in mid-Ohio, which was a, a, an okay race, but it, it was it didn't blow anybody away. And so we, this is going to be like an all-round fun, all-American episode. Isn't that right, Mr. Ryan Eric King alongside us? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's here too. Uh, we, we kept, we, 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 we sort of taped him into the chair after the last episode. It's like, no, no, you're not getting away just yet, <laughs> big man. <laughs> We're not finished with you. And also we got RJ O'Connell again joining us. Hey, RJ, how's it going, man? Look, you know, recent developments in the United States judiciary system and the implications they may cause down the road do not have me feeling a lot of American pride. But I'll tell you what does is seeing uh, NASCAR actually pull off a street race that a lot of people thought was just a a tax write-off, a boondoggle. And minutes (laughs) before the start of the race, I'm just thinking – so are they going to circulate behind the pace car under the rain to just try and treat it like F1 did in Spa two years ago? But no, we actually had a race, and the race was kind of cool, unless you're Noah Gragson in the Wendy's Baconator car. Then it was agony. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Noah Gragson in the Baconator car put it in the same wall on three separate occasions. I think he did it four times. Yeah, I think it was four times. <laughs> oh Jesus! I was giving. I, 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 didn't, I didn't give him full credit. Damn! Like I thought, let's get him a hat trick ball. No, no, he had four of them. Dude, that uh, is a platinum sombrero of tires, <laughs> tire barrier strikes. <laughs> what a day he had! Um, yeah, I, 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 I watched the start of it. Um, I was a little bit busy on my PS5, so I wasn't paying full attention to the race, but then obviously I came back towards the end and I came back to a flying Bubba Wallace heading towards Ricky Stenhouse and not in a good way either, unfortunately. So I was like, oh no, I'm 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 deeply conflicted about how I feel about this because it did open the door for a potential amazing winner. And I mean, let's get into it right here and now because it, I mean, it's let's let's talk about. It. I mean, RJ, you wrote it. So I mean, t- talk to me about about NASCAR in Chicago. Yeah, because look, before we talk about IndyCar in Mid Ohio, which is you know the feature of our show, we've got to talk about NASCAR's first street race in Chicago, which has been years in the making in itself and a landmark moment in the Cup Series because for the first time since. Johnny Rutherford in 1963, predating the modern era of NASCAR Cup Series racing. So the first time ever in the modern era, a debuting driver has won their first race. And his name is Shane Van Gisbergen, 
the three-time and reigning Supercars champion of Australia. Van Gisbergen was appearing on a one-off basis for Trackhouse Racing in the Project 91 car that previously gave Kimi Raikkonen his Cup Series debut. Van Gisbergen, sir, Ber, Van Gisbergen, getting me to a point that comes later on. Shane Van, Van Gisbergen sought the challenge of a moderately unfamiliar car, the challenge of surprising runner-up Justin Haley, mm, multiple yeah, nice. caution flags, and the potential pitfalls of restarts that come with him. Heavy rainfall in the afternoon, which threatened to postpone or even cancel this race completely, and a race to beat the darkness. And Shane Van Gisbergen won the race on debut just a few hours before the NASCAR and NBC commentators barely knew his name. Now he's a Cup Series race winner. And oh, by the way, Van Gisbergen has said that once his contract ends at V8 Supercars next year, he wants to do this full time. Trey, how cool is this? Incredibly cool. Like... We've we've joked about this like in our Discord server a little bit. This, but there's a genuine argument that NASCAR's been the racing series of 2023, and we are not joking about how much fun it has been, how generally great the racing has been, and just how fun the series has been to cover. Yeah, there's still some sketchy stuff about overtime rules and how some of the series gets down over certain things, but. This was cool as shit. Like, having a street race in Chicago was awesome. The layout was great. The racing was fun. Um, You know, the track dried out reasonably quickly. And, you know, we got a very intriguing race. King, shout out to Air Titan. Thank God for Air Titan. Yep. The Air (laughs) Titans got got the track raceable extremely quickly yeah Dude, like denny hamlin was like doom posting on his twitter hours <laughs> before the race thinking that this was going to get called off completely because remember this is a temporary street circuit if the, if there's rain and they can't race in it they can't postpone it no. it's done it's done and, and they, they called off the xfinity series race just for this even though they didn't even get to the mandated 50% to call a result. Um, they still um, called it early and they were like, no, we're not coming back on Monday just to run a few extra laps to get it to a to a mandate. Finish. We're just going to give Cole Costa the win, uh, which is a weird sentence for me to say, to give Cole Costa the win, but here we are. Um, so we, we'd already had some precedent to clear out as much space as they could to make this race happen. The Titans did a brilliant job. And as RJ alluded to, we had literal minutes of sunlight left by the time we got this to the end because we had the late caution. We had we, we went into overtime and they NASCAR specifically said not only did they cut the race distance down from 100 laps to 75 because they couldn't get 100 laps in before sunset, they also said, no, we're going to have one overtime attempt, and that is it. If we don't get a finish here, we're going to call it, and we're going to go to the cameras to, des- to determine the finishing order. They used it. to be in NASCAR. Yeah, so they, they, they had one overtime attempt. Thankfully, it was clean. And we've already seen like some very cool cameos from from Kimi Raikkonen. And, and, and the Trackhouse is a fun team. I like like Ross Chastain is is box office. I know he's not the most likable for how he gets down on track, but like NASCAR needs 
a shit poster, and Ross Chastain fits the bill perfectly as someone it's to talk crazy about. It's to series. think that Ross Chastain, that Trackhouse Racing in particular, has given this series two of its most memorable moments in a span of less than 12 months. Oh, yeah. Because if you don't remember, <laughs> back in November, Ross Chastain decided to wall ride his way into the playoffs. Now, you may not like how it happened, but God damn it, that was fun. And now, oh, oh yeah, yes. it 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 was without question like the greatest overtake I think I've ever seen in motorsport. And I don't like, know this Shane Van Gisbergen one was also really good because he lets Justin Haley get past him, knowing that he could easily pass him right back at the next corner. That oh. is insane. Oh, just just the way he adapted to these cars overnight was incredibly impressive his racecraft was absolutely spot on he had driven like a guy that had been here for years like almost like well almost, almost a bit like they're like chris busher who's like had a, who's had a top 10 run of street track on and, 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 and road course finishes for a while now guys who specialize in that sort of racing svg that did like he'd been here before which is about as much as you can ask for someone who's made their their cup debut he was perfect well, King, King, I'd argue that in some ways Shane Van Gisbergen has been there before because what is an Australian supercar but, you know, a, uh, a, a different interpretation of a, uh, of a NASCAR stock car in some ways? Yep, and pretty much NASCAR has been open in saying that, you know, the, the Australian supercars were the inspiration for the next-gen cars. And uh, they do a bit of street racing in the Supercars Championship. And uh, in some ways, that makes SVG more experienced at street racing than anyone else in the field. And and if you talk to anyone in that part of the world, they all talk glowingly about how much of an incredible talent Shane Van Gisbergen has been for many, many years. Like It's like they all knew that this guy was 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 coming in with a, with a genuine shot of winning. Scott McLaughlin had been gassing the ever-loving shit out of him on Twitter, and rightly so, because if there's one person who knows how good SVG is, it's Scott McLaughlin. Um, <laughs> and Scott was apparently in tears when he saw his mate come over the line and win. And yeah, the first debut NASCAR Cup winner in 60 years. Um, like that is, it was such a crazy event that people, like, I'll let you in a little secret here, folks. People at WTF1's management was asking me if it was worth writing about a NASCAR slash supercar story on a massively predominantly F1 page. That's how cool this was. Um, and like, 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 like RJ said, Trackhouse are quickly becoming the coolest dudes in NASCAR. They like it is you just you just don't get fun cameos in motorsport quite this often anymore in the world of insurance claims and and protecting assets. It's just understandable yeah. to to yeah, a degree. It's, it's like you know, understandably so. I think after what happened with Robert Kubica, I think mm. a lot of organizations have got cold feet about it. But on the other hand, it does when you do have let that happen. It also leads to stuff like Nico Hulkenberg winning Le Mans debut, Fernando Alonso doing doing two thirds of the Triple Crown, uh, and and now this because Shane Van Gisbergen still has a championship to win. 
He still has a Bathurst 1000 win. But, oh, man, if you could put this dude in two places at once, oh, give Shane Van Kisbergen a playoff waiver, please. Me, me, we all screamed on our Discord the same thing. Give this man a playoff waiver right now. Give him a headache. <laughs> you know, please. And also, I love that King dropped that Discord server just now. I, a tweet from Kenny Crandall that says, NBC Sports that were broadcasting the race says the NASCAR Chicago Street Race had 4.79 million viewers, the most watched Cup Series race on NBC since 2017. <laughs> this was an overwhelming success by any and all counts. And yeah, we still have another really cool cameo coming up later this year because don't forget August 13th at the Indianapolis Road Course Race. Um, some Le Mans record holder, some guy called Kamui Kobayashi, yeah. Co- Co- Coach K, is making his debut for twenty three eleven. That's pretty cool, right? Dude, it's crazy. We haven't even talked about like Jensen Button had a pretty respectable weekend himself. He didn't win. He got pit maneuvered by Chris Busher trying to enter the pits. It happens. It sucks. Uh, but I he was also in the top wanted, ten. Yeah, he was running top ten. He was having a very good race, and like. I think I think there are like a non-zero amount of people that think, oh, this is terrible for NASCAR. Somebody could just come in and like win on debut. First and foremost, do you know how hard this is? Like if it were this easy. Oh, yeah. A, a driver like a Jordan Taylor, a Jensen Button, a Kimi Raikkonen, a Dario Franchitti would have just won by six laps first time out of the box. And honestly, like I see stretches of driving from dudes like Christopher Bell, who led early on in this race. Mm. Kyle Larson, I know we don't like to give him a lot of credit for a lot of things for reasons that have nothing to do with his racing, but he was splendid again today. Chase yep. Elliott came to play. Justin Haley. Justin Haley's only claim to fame in the NASCAR Cup Series has been lucky enough to winning the weirdest rained out uh, Firecracker 400 at Daytona ever. <laughs> Absolute fluke that win. This oh, time, yeah. he was arguably one pit stop at a fender away from earning a second career win. And I think that is absolutely cool. Yes. In some and respects, I think you pointed out that Justin yeah. Haley had started the race from last. Yeah. 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 That's a, That's another thing too. Like, yes, Shane Van Gisbergen was quick, noticeably quicker than some drivers over great stages of the race, but he had to work to get this one because I was thinking, Oh boy, this is going to be like a lot of these other cameos, right? He's going to run up front and then something's going to happen. The other shoe's going to drop. And then he just falls out of the picture. Didn't yeah. happen. Yeah, like, like I know people get very protective over the series that they like. I mean, there's a reason why I've often used the hashtag please like my dumb sport to describe many a motorsport series in many different contexts. Like, you should take one look at the TV ratings and look at the overall buzz around the series and how they pulled this off and think, that, like, who fucking cares? Like, Shane Van Gisbergen wants to come into your series, race your cars, and he belongs. That is a win for everybody involved. Hell like, yeah. people, like, cool people. Like, isn't this exactly what you mo- what you want in your favorite motorsport series? That people right. from other places want to come and race in it? Isn't That's it right. The- that should be the greatest endorsement of your product available. Like one of the greatest supercar drivers of all time wants to come over and race in your stock cars. That's cool as shit. I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely cool as hell. It's it's a shot in the arm for at least this one race that NASCAR is needed because look, 
I don't think I need to tell you that they have been far detached from their prime as a mainstream sport where they were threatened to surpass Major League Baseball and the National Hockey League in terms of national popularity. Those days are done. And I know it's going to be tough for them to try and like keep that momentum going, but this was a win. This was a big win. And can I say as well, even if it's not on 4th of July weekend, you've got to keep the Chicago race because it is, is actually really cool. I know many people that follow me on Twitter that were actually at that race, and they all spoke glowingly of how cool it was that there was a race in their backyard um, or a short hop over. Like, like bringing, the NAS- bringing NASCAR to the streets can only be a good thing in certain areas, and I think this was absolutely the right sort of market for it. And everyone that I spoke to that was down there, you know, said that they enjoyed themselves, even even with the rain. Um, and you know, hopefully, it's it's a bit drier. Ne- hopefully, next time they try this, um, it, we uh, we'll get slightly better weather. But hey, it was part of the reason what was as to what made this race so cool. But yeah, uh, wonderful uh, endorsement for NASCAR and brilliant Love for it. Shane. Um, delighted that he gets his flowers in a, in another major audience out, outside of of, of of Australasia, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, a, a huge dub for everybody. So well done, NASCAR, and congrats to Shane. That is cool as all shit. Um, like a, a genuine moment of history over in NASCAR, and that is awesome. We got um, to talk about NASCAR and Australian supercars all in one segment. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, like this is like, yeah, like <laughs> I was about to make an ashes joke there. Then you, then you remember the SVGs New Zealand from New Zealand. We beat them in their last series, <laughs> um, etc. Um, but uh, should we talk a little IndyCar Mid Ohio next? Yeah, yeah, talking about series that need a eureka moment of their own. In the words of the kid who had to watch Krusty and the Simpsons, stop. Stop. He's already dead for the fourth time in five races and the third time in a row. Alex Pillow won at Mid-Ohio in a dominant fashion. After the first sequence of pit stops, he led 48 out of a total of 80 laps and coasted to beat Scott Nitz and his teammate by five seconds with Will Power also on the podium in third. And with Marcus Erickson crashing out in the third corner of the race after understeering into his countryman Felix Rosenquist, Pillow's lead is now an eye-watering. 110 points from Scott Ditson, who has moved up to second in the table. Pillow did not say dominant. He strived away, but he did admit, this is the best run of my IndyCar career so far. Oh, you think? (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I got to ask, Dre, are we we done with the Astro Cup at halfway? The one weekend Marcus Erickson chose to throw away his race after 15 seconds. Um, damn. Like, he, he, he could not have timed that one any worse, given a week ago at Road America, we were talking about that, hey, maybe his value isn't as high as we thought it was, purely down to Marcus Armstrong. But the, the, he has been hit by the curse of the podcaster. Poor guy. Um, also, anybody wants to call him the sneaky Swede after that incident, um, get out. Um, I think we need to change that nickname. I, I think we should get rid of sneaky. Maybe um, sledgehammer Swede, um, uh, um, blatant Swede, uh, obnoxious Swede. <laughs> we'll, 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 yeah. we'll go. Where's your <laughs> wife? Not at home. Big deal. <laughs> mm. So that was a problem. Um, <sighs> 
Do you know how hard it is to even win three races in a row in IndyCar? Like this- I do, because what? the last time anybody did this was Scott Dixon to start the 2020 COVID season. And so that was like, a- that, was, that was like, holy shit, Scott Dixon's gone off. <laughs> so I also found something, because I went through the IndyCar record book, because I'm thinking, damn, when was the last time we had a winning streak of three races? And it was Scott Dixon in the pandemic. But here's something else that Pelot is chasing in two weeks. The last driver to uh, to win four races in a row, which is what he could do if he wins in Toronto. Remember, he won at Detroit. He's won on a street course. Last driver to do it was Sebastian Bourdais in the 2006 Champ Car World Series. Before then, it was Cristiano D'Amata in the 2002 Car FedEx Championship Series. Before then, it was Alex Zanardi on the way to a second title at Ganassi in the 1998 Car World Series. And before that, it was Al Unser Jr. in the 1990 PPG Indy Car World Series. Dre, what stands out from all these four plus winning streaks that I just mentioned? None of them have been in the unified IndyCar series as we know it. The last one that we had when Indy when American Open Wheel Racing was unified was Al Lenzer Jr. in 1990. <laughs> Meaning it, it has never happened in this iteration of the IndyCar series that was established in 1996. Good God. Like, it's, it's one of those things where you kind of have to sit back and acknowledge, and you have to think about it, and you go, oh, my God. Yeah, when was the last time somebody won three in a row? Because, like, we, 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 like we, we talked about this during our Road America episode. You're not supposed to do this in IndyCar. No. Like, this series is all built around driver skill, the fact that on any given Sunday, anybody can win. And how one of the stories of this race, which we didn't get time to talk about too much, but we want to mention it, Graham Rahal was the most competitive he's been in years during this weekend and was, if anything, screwed by his pit crew, letting him down not once but twice. Um, yeah, because Graham Rahal qualified front row for what it's worth. But yeah, like... and. Just fell down the order a little bit, did a two dodgy pit stops. But Colton Herder was again up there again for Andretti until the end. Um, who gave Colton Herder the cartoon anvil? <sighs> it's been over a year since he since he won that race in Indianapolis where he had that deja vu. I've just been in this place for four moments. Uh, how has he not won one of these since? How he's Colton Herter? Like seriously, it's not like Andretti builds slow cars. Kyle no. Kirkwood just wanted Long Beach. And I mean, it, it's not like he drove terribly. I mean, yes, he had uh, that pit lane. Yeah. He's had a lot of moments like that pit lane incident where he's done it to himself. Yeah, he has. Like, there's, 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 there's no getting around it. It's like annoyingly all the people that argued against Colton Herter getting a super, super license since that discussion at the end of late last year have kind of improved right to a small degree. Like, he, he he's not been the the best hurter we've seen which was like mostly like three years ago now which is weird to say about a guy that's still so young but like his like you forgot he was a top three guy in this series not that long ago yeah that and that's where most of his super license points came from and when those roll Mm. off oh i worry that that window may have shut but you know what if he if he ends up being a multi-time indycar championship winner that's perfectly fine but polo polo is He's just that good right now. Alex Pillow, if the if the Formula One grid was bigger, and if we if we stop letting the turkeys vote on Christmas, Alex Pillow would have a seat immediately. Yeah. <laughs> He's earned it on merit. 
Oh. Yeah, I mean, he's just impervious. That like, it's just that feeling of the only other guy we're talking about in like in motorsport like this is probably Francesco Bagnaia at full song and Max Verstappen. Guys who, where it almost feels inevitable that they're going to make the move that wins them the race. And in Pelot's case, it was that alternate start on, on, on the black tire. And then we like, I remember saying to you, King, during the race, it was like, so he's probably going to run long here and then overtake him on, on the overcut. And then what did he say to me in response, King? <laughs> I had a, and I said, I, I said, what pretty much try. He'd like, he's definitely going to cover that gap. <laughs> <laughs> it was just an, uh, I was trying to play it down and King was like nope he is inevitable and that's ex- uh, and, and that's exactly what happened because he ran long he came out like two and a half seconds in front of Herta and then once he was on the red tyre he was virtually unstoppable just he was putting half he's putting half second gaps on Colton Herta one of the fastest dudes in this series at full song again and again and again, he was as much as nine seconds in front until he got into an interesting confrontation with Benjamin Benjamin Peterson, which yeah, we'll get yeah. to shortly. Um, but it's just that air of invincibility. I mean, I even mentioned he got caught up in a tangle with Carl Kirkwood early doors in that race. Yeah. Where was, and even that didn't stop him because Kirkwood was the one who spun out. Mm. It was just like everything is coming up Millhouse for Alex Polo right now. Even the, the the sketchy incidents, you know, it was it was a racing incident. We all kind of agreed that it was yeah, just uh, yeah. one of those racing deals of Kirkwood and Polo. I don't think even Kirkwood was all nothing, that mad about nothing it. Nothing got as stupid as it did within Andretti Autosport last year. Thank even close. goodness. Yeah, we, don't, we didn't want to see that again. But everything has just come up Polo and... He's just so, so good. He, I, I, I can't stress this. I feel bored almost saying this because he has been, since the start of May, virtually unstoppable. And as, as close to that as we've seen in IndyCar ever uh, right now, which is just weird to say. Um, just absolutely incredible racing. He, he's doing things in that Chip Ganassi car that, no one else in the sport can do. And like, like like RJ said and alluded to, the final stint of the race, he is gapping Scott Dixon. Di- this, and, and hasn't Dixon won here about 114 times in Mid-Ohio yeah, over the yeah. years? He's, he's a 206-time Mid-Ohio winner. This figure may be exaggerated for effect. To hammer the whole point home that Scott Dixon is really good at Mid-Ohio. He's the only person that's ever won starting from the 20s. And to that effect, Shout out to Pat Ward for making the alternate strategy work uh, because mm. he spun during qualifying, which meant no laps and no chance to set more laps because he brought out a red flag. So he started in 25th at a place where on track overtaking some premiums. So they just decided, right, we're going to turn this into a three stopper. And he turned it into a top 10 finish. That boy rapid. Good Lord. <laughs> why can't why can't he be more like this, like the last few handful of rounds of races? I, I, also, I love the fact that Pato also posted his heart rate monitor um, from his uh, sports vest um, <laughs> on on Twitter earlier today, where his av- his average heart rate was, and I'm not making this up, 165 um, for basically an hour and a half. Huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, 
if you ever think that uh, that racing drivers are not like have to be like fit and proper to do this, you're, you're out of your mind. These athletes are incredible, and yeah, Pat, I'm glad that Palo the last couple of rounds has been able to keep his head cool and just remind everybody how fucking good he can be because he was the only guy that had Polo level pace all like all race long. Um, okay, part of that was the three stopper, but even Stowe to get from the back of the field and end up in the top ten is, you know, plus seventeen from where he started is incredibly impressive. Um, I know we haven't got a lot of time to talk about a lot of other stories in that race. Shout out to Christian Lingard, who again is absolutely kicking ass for Ray Hall and Lanigan. Not maybe not quite as highlight real worthy because Graham was was as good too. This this weekend and Graham was more unlucky, but Lungard is so good. Yeah, so good. <laughs> I, I, I gotta tell y'all, Ray Hall Letterman landing at Racing's on a bit of a roll between this and winning Watkins Glen and EMSA uh, after <laughs> after a technical infringement. But you know, we we take these it counts. Ws. It, it counts. It counts. Um, we got we got to get something, and like I said, Graham was as good as he's looked in maybe three or four years. You know, that was a really nice weekend for Graham. Like you know, it's bad when we often pick shots at Graham because he's a bit testy outside of the car bit, at times. He's a bit full of his own shit sometimes. <laughs> I'm glad you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, even me and King were like, no, no, let him cook just this once. <laughs> he's earned it. Um, <laughs> it's like, look, he's up there. He's up there fighting for the win. He's keeping up with Colton Hurdy. You got, you got to give him that. Come on. Uh, well, you know, so we can bring him down later on when Ohio State loses in the college football semifinals. <laughs> just before we move on, Alex Polo has two weekends in hand. Two, yep, that's something that you don't see very often. And we're only halfway through. Like we we, we are nine through seventeen rounds. I don't want to litigate, you know, whether or not Polo should leave Ganassi at this stage because, like, I feel like we should table that for when slash if the announcement ever comes. But sure, this this is this is something special. You, you, I, I'm enjoying it. Of fried, fried chicken and cappuccino for everybody. God, that was probably the the recipe for an upset tummy. Oh, it is no question. Look, look. Personally, I I wish I found Polo a little bit a little bit more engaging as a personality. I mean, he he does have a nickname on our Discord server as as tended to by our friend and yours, Zoe Hamilton, who calls him the wholesome bitch, um, which <laughs> I still think is very funny. Um, I wish I found him a little bit more engaging because, like, he, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a very wholesome, very quiet, very, like, I don't, I don't want to say humble, but more, like, soft-spoken sort of yeah. gentleman sort of figure. And, like, I be find... ruthless when he needs to be. Oh, but yeah. Otherwise, he is, like... A true gentleman, a true class act. You know, this is the kind of driver that you you want. You want your you, if you were trying to teach somebody like what kind of driver should I be like? Probably like an Alex blower type. Because he's, 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 the, he's the guy you bring home to see your mum. Like he, he, you, you know, you can trust him. He seems like a nice guy, unless a contract dispute's involved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then he, then he's like, your daughter calls me daddy too. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's that kind of guy. Woo! <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting if that makes the edit or not. <laughs> I'm going to well, keep that one in. Well, um, Trey, um, mm. there was one big thing that got in his way, and that was the Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year. Okay, fair enough. Uh, this was a this was a weird one. Um, Benjamin Peterson, the man, got a lot of airtime during this race. So good for his sponsors, you know, whatever helps. Um, he had a heavy amount of fighting to stay on the lead lap with Polo behind him. Even after Polo eventually cleared him, he was still aggressively defended from Pato Award, Scott McLaughlin, and David Malukas. Who, oh, by the way, we'll get to him in a minute as well. With all of them complaining to the media so much, this is just the funniest bit. Like, I don't know if you guys saw this. Like, like the series Twitter account made a thread of everybody who bitched and complained about Peterson's blocking. But I was like, wow, it's like that then, huh? <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, with more drivers pushing for it than ever, is it finally time? IndyCar makes blue flags in a similar way to F1 mandatory to step okay. aside. Okay. Um, so every podcast is somebody's first. Everybody's IndyCar race is somebody's first. There's a big difference in the way that Formula One and IndyCar handle cars that are on the tail end of the lead lap and are about to be passed. IndyCar defines a lap car that should yield track position and gets their push to pass shut off as a driver that is already been lapped by every other car that is on the lead lap. Whereas in Formula One, if the leader is going to pass you and you're still on the lead lap, they're going to tell you to move over and let that car through. So you don't you don't typically get chances where you have cars fighting to stay on the lead lap or overtaking the leader to get back onto the lead lap. You know, that dust up between Ocon and Verstappen and Interlagos aside, it's very, very rare that you see that in optimal conditions. Um, IndyCar is different. American Motorsport is different in that matter because they do pay points down for every position. It's not where only the top 10 get points. Every person that starts gets points on a sliding scale. So more points you get, the, the you know, the, the higher per position is the more points you get. You also get more money because these drivers and these teams Pay is directly impacted by their finishing position. Mm -hmm. So more positions means more points. It means more money. And so you're incentivized to get as many positions as you can. And that's harder to do when you're pinned a lap down. It really is. Mm. Um, Will Power has been like the, he was like it in 2017. He was like it in 2021. He's like it now. Will Power wants it to go back to the F1 style system where if you're on the tail end of the lead lap about to be passed by the leader, that's tough shit. You got to move out of the way. But back when he brought this up in 2021, he also suggested like, you know, the, the guys that are fighting for this track position probably don't like it because they're just in the way of everybody. So why not just give everybody a wave around to put them back at the tail end of the lead lap if there's a caution? Because that's why they're fighting to stay on the lead lap. They want to get back to the tail end of the lead lap in case a caution comes out. So again, another page from F1's book to a degree where at race director's discretion, they can wave the lap cars through. Um, Cause that's never come up before in, in a, in a controversial fashion in F1. Well, um, it, it, it's not a, 
it's not at the race director's discretion. They would have to change the rule. Yeah, yeah. It would be okay. like it would be like something like NASCAR's uh, the lucky dog rule. The 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 whatever well, they call I, it. I think it would it'd be more like in, in Formula One where they would wave all the lap cars through because yeah. Uh, like having it be the lucky dog in, in like in NASCAR, it's only the first car a lap down. So people would desperately fight for that position. Yeah, for obvious reasons. Because like, 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 like RJ alluded to in, in IndyCar, if you're a lap down, your day is essentially done. Yeah. You know, your, your race is, is effectively over and at that point. In fairness to Benjamin Peterson, who has had a season of a lot of valleys and one very cool peak, um, he's got something to fight for to to stay ahead of Felix Rosenquist because he's also trying to fight for leader circle standings and therefore a leader circle bonus payout of one million dollars. Now I've tried, now I've given up trying to track who's in the leader circle standings because I assume it operates off of Calvin Ball rules every time when I try to track it. It's just like, oh, it's different every time. But you know. <laughs> He wants he wants to be one of those cars that gets a million dollar payout because I don't necessarily know if it's the case with his backers and AJ's Ford sponsor because sometimes but sometimes that can be the difference between a program having the budget to run a full season next year and not. Especially given its foit and how much they've struggled in recent years. Yeah. Again, they've got a new sponsor coming in. Benjamin Peterson probably brings his own backing and he's on a multi-year deal, but he he wants to fight. And if IndyCar doesn't change this, he's not going to be the last driver that's going to be paying the ass for the leaders to get around on a permanent road course where on track overtaking is at a premium. Yeah, I think Mid-Ohio itself is definitely a small part of the, of the contributing factors here because, like you said, there's really only one proper overtaking spot, and that's down the back stretch and, and, and on the bottom of the hill um, before we go into the overhead complex. Um like that did not help and look drivers of course they're going to complain in the heat in the moment in their car when a guy's fighting to stay on the lead lap that's a given i didn't even realize as well that you know only really meant to step aside the car once the whole field has lapped you um yeah. you know so it's un- that's, all, that's also when they shut your power to pass push the pass off right no, so, so no uh so actually it's once you're once you're off the lead lap. So once that okay. the leader gets by you, anyone behind the leader, you have to move over. Yeah. Also, oh, and that's probably why so many people were pissed off with Peterson because he was obviously, he was defending hard against multiple people yeah, after Polo had yeah. already lapped him. Yeah. I get it with Polo and like... That makes know, sense. But the other cases are just like, bro, what, what are you doing? Like... James Hitchcliffe and Townsend Bell took time to stop bickering with each other and, uh, <laughs> and uh, be like, yo, what is Benjamin Peterson doing out here in Arlington, Texas? <laughs> That's not a polar bear. Um, but no, like it's, I don't have a huge problem with this rule. I don't look at it and I go, oh my God, I wish that lap car got out of the way. Like I'm, I'm, I, I've never thought that while watching an Indy car race. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, oh, this, this is a huge, you I, know. It's partly due to circumstance because it is hard to pass in mid-Ohio. And absolutely. like it actually impacted the race. It cut the deficit between Palo and the second place car in half. Yeah. 
uh, it got to a point where we like speculated that they were going to put Marcus Ericsson back out on track specifically to bunch the wagon up behind Peterson to make it easier for Polo to go by because Ericsson in that, in that Anderson incident we mentioned earlier, he wrecked the suspension on his car. He lost about 45, 46 laps. And um, he also had the serve a 45 second penalty. On, 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 on a side note, like <laughs> IndyCar, a series that we've often criticized for washing their hands of all accountability when it comes to on-track excursions, they thought they looked at that incident and they thought, no, no, we're going to get him for this one. You watch this. And then he hit him with a 45-second stop-and-go penalty for that. Why oh. would Kyle Novak do this? <laughs> no, genuinely, why would he do that? I, I do not. How did you come to that conclusion? Especially I mean, that's, a, that's a steward's decision, but that, like, yo, that is crazy. <laughs> I, I said this before, and I will say it again. Someone put Niels Wittich, Freddie Spencer, and Novak in a room with a beehive, and only one of them gets to leave. What is wrong with you people? Like, <laughs> please, someone officiates a motor series properly. It's all I ask. Like, like for all the shit that IndyCar lets you get away with, that's a 45-second stop and go. Oh, God. Like, Dude. for a guy that was already 45 laps down, I do not understand. Like, okay. Rant over. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a big problem with this. Like, I, I do find it funny, though, that... Um, <laughs> like, King, I know you you make the indie rivals joke a lot on, on social media and about the series in general. What do you call it when the social media admin decides to dogpile you? <laughs> I mean, damn, they really went out there and posted every clip they could find of this dude being a menace. Every single one. Scott McLaughlin, Palo Award, David Malukas, Alex Palo. They they put them all in one big old thread. Tagged Benjamin in the in the thread directly, and we're like, "Yep, boys and girls and friends in friends in between, have at it." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's crazy, and they're doing this <laughs> while the site's rate limited. <laughs> oh my god oh god i'm just like like i've i've been accused on twitter of being unnecessarily harsh on the way indycar gets down sometimes this one i just find funny yeah i'm just sitting here like wow you, you, you like like i was accused of tone policing after after what happened at Road America when NBC was like, oh yeah, this is where the real racing's at this weekend. And I'm like, what the hell do you call this? <laughs> like, dogpiling a guy on Twitter for doing what he's legally allowed to do. Well, I'm just like, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> somebody help me out here. Have I gone mad about how IndyCar's looking no, at this? No, I think... I think... I think they're both both IndyCar and Formula One. They they have they have a reason to promote against one another, and they also have a reason to like exchange ideas. It's like how Formula One qualifying sessions could benefit for guys for drivers causing a red flag and be like, uh, actually, no, you lose your two fastest laps and you don't get to go back out again once hmm. the red flag is lifted. Maybe IndyCar would also benefit for just like. Asking guys to move over on road and street courses, not ovals. Just road and street courses. 
and do something that would be a bit more equitable to the drivers that are off the lead lap but still want to fight for position. Yeah, I, 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 said, I don't have a big problem with this either way. I wouldn't have a big problem with it if they decided to make that change. I'd be like, okay, fair enough. Like, I don't I, think I, they will. Like, Will Power and Scott Dixon after the race were just like joking, like, yeah, they're not going to change this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they kind of knew. And, they, and, but, they, and they've been in this, and they've been in the trenches together for like 15 years. Yeah, they know. Like, they like an indie car hasn't really got a big reason to change it. So, you know, yeah. why why would they? You know, um, researching it, it, this topic was also how I remember that Esteban Gutierrez raced an indie car and almost collected Joseph Newgarden after a restart while he was a lap down. Yeah, I forgot that was a thing. Damn. Oh, Everybody I, forgets that Esteban Gutierrez drove for Dale Coin Racing in 2017. Shit. That's. God, no, you're right. I had completely forgotten that was even a thing. Damn, fair enough. Um, On the subject of Dale Coin Racing. Yes, uh, we, we had a, another potentially big city season update because uh, out of nowhere, going into this weekend, um, Little Dave, um, Little Dave Malukas, um, basically did a Damian Lillard. He, uh, he I, I demand to be traded <laughs> because uh, he openly said he doesn't expect to stay at Dale Coyne um, at the end of this season. It's not been a particularly great year for him so far at Dale Coyne. Great race this weekend. Finished sixth um, on yeah. the day. That was a superb result for Malukas, but he admitted he wanted a new team for 2024. He said to the uh, Indianapolis Star, quote, we're very much talking with other teams and there's plenty of offers from people who still want me and it's looking very good for next year. But the trajectory as of now looks like I'm not going to be with Dale Coyne Racing next year. I'll be somewhere else. What do you make of Malukas's shock announcement, and where could he end up? Dave time. <sighs> am, I, am I wrong for thinking this isn't really like that huge of a shock, considering like he's been one of the most touted potential free agents of this on the transfer market now for a couple of months now. Yeah, and especially considering that, uh, <laughs> let's see, Andretti have at least one open seat for next year, and Canassi's just a mess, but there's a chance he can get it. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Well, I have to pause this for just for one second here because we haven't had King on the Indy car show in a while. King, what's up with your man's? Grosjean, tell me about your man's in the 28 car for a minute. Um, Team leader Roman Grosjean, what the hell is going on in that seat? Things things have changed. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You reckon? (laughs) (laughs) There's a new guy at Andretti who uh, definitively, based on past episodes of the show, is my guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> friendship ended with Romain Grosjean Kyle Kirkwood is my new best friend he's <laughs> like you have won me back yep. <laughs> yeah. Dude, oh, it's crazy like mm. David Malukas is capable of getting like awesome results and Dale Coyne Racing is capable of getting awesome results at times but like the reality is they're they have one of the smallest headquarters they have probably they have way less resources than any other team. Like, they can fight for a shock podium. They can even fight for a shock win. Uh, but the benchmark is more along the lines of, like, running anywhere from 10th to 20th most races. And, man, oh, man, they real—they probably really miss having an experienced hand on the other side of the paddock because, like, 
I know Takuma Sato wasn't at his best vintage last year, but if Stingray Rob didn't have such an uh, audacious name, we would just be thinking like, dude, did they shut down the 51 car? <laughs> because it's been nowhere. Right, like I was they gonna miss say. having a dude like Sebastian Bourdais on the other side of that paddock. They miss having someone like Justin Wilson. God rest his soul. It's been eight years since he fought for his last potential win at Mid Ohio uh, on the other side of that garage. I was gonna say, um, I wasn't so much surprised by this announcement, but for different reasons than RJ. Not because. Malukas is highly touted because he is, and, and he, he, I think he deserves to be. But mostly because Dale Coyne's been nowhere this year. It's the more the second reason that RJ's alluded to. Like Malukas is nineteenth in the standings right now. He's he had a he, he went six rounds between top twenty finishes um, this season at one point. Like, and that's partly on Malukas, partly on Dale Coyne, just underperforming in general. Stingray Rob has been. Not good. Um, like I said, if it wasn't for his audacious name, we would have thought that they shut that 51 car down. Right. You know, and Dale Coyne is meant to... Uh, we've looked at them more as this, like, team that sort of nurtures younger talent and they move on to better things. And maybe that's maybe that's that next stage in the cycle for Malukas now, more than anything else. Look, I, I think he'd be excellent in the 29 and Andretti instead of Devlin De Francesco. I think that's the clear gaping hole of a problem in that side. Um, I know there's a lot of rumblings that Romain Grosjean um, has, has has had his contract extension mysteriously go missing. Um, <clears throat> um, Chip Ganassi Racing could be losing one, maybe two of their drivers next year. Um, if you're going to lose Polo to McLaren or to F1 in general, I think Malukas would be an excellent fit in the eight or ten car, depending on how that rolls out. There's a lot of places he could fit. I, I say, I say in my notes, I think McLaren, I think would actually be a great fit for him as an up and coming guy. Um, oh goodness, yeah. If they, if they like, don't, if they, if they are dead set on going to four cars, that I think that would be a great fit for the future for them because they, they've got a good blend of experienced veteran names in their early 30s and of course Pado Award who is a monster um you know Malukas is I think somewhere in the middle of all of those places and I think that'd be a great fit for him as well um I I I, I, I would like who's less messy right now McLaren or Andretti I don't know probably Andretti still um I, I don't know it's it, it's a weird one but Malukas I would put in that bracket with I would say Christian Lungard is as like top two on the list of free agents that I would go after. I I, I still am not like I I like Marcus Ericsson a lot, but his value I think is limited as a driver, especially given I've talked to before about Marcus Armstrong and how I think he's been good enough as a rookie. Where you go, do I need another high floor guy? Um, and given what Chip Ganassi has as, as drivers, then I think that kind of does him in a little bit in terms of value. Malukas has, has got has got a bucket load of upside, bucket load, and especially on ovals, something that that you might even argue puts him ahead of the queue of of Lungard. Is, is that Malukas is an oval guy? 
He's had some exceptional oval performances, and Lingard hasn't had that yet. Um, how much of that is is on their respective employers um, is probably also a factor in that. But I mean, King, you got any ideas? Twenty nine cars was was one that you're thinking, maybe? Uh, yeah, pro- probably because it seems like a a certain Canadian won't be returning next year. Yeah, um, I I think De- I think Devlin I think Devlin's days are numbered. Remember last year when he said that Devlin was going to be a multi year project for Michael Andretti? Well, <laughs> well, two years is multiple. <laughs> we, we made it to two. <laughs> like okay, the pro- like, we got to two years. The project is over. <laughs> Have fun with that. But uh, again, get in touch. I'd love to see what you guys think where David Malukas could end up. Because you know what, I really like David Malukas. Great driver, great talent, disgustingly likable young man as well. Um, just like, have you never heard anyone say a bad word about David Malukas ever? He's adorable. Like, like seriously, he's like a puppy. Um, hire that man. Um, I'd love to see what he can do in a in a more competitive package than uh, than Dale Coyne. And I think that's going to be a fascinating one to keep a hold of. Um, IndyCar back this weekend in next weekend next weekend sorry so they got they got a week off which is weird for IndyCar in the middle of the year um they got a week off they're back next week in Toronto um so uh, do check that out our, our friend and yours Zoe Hamilton will actually be over there for that race as well so try and get Zoe on as well to talk about Toronto in person because that's going to be pretty cool um we've got a couple more episodes to get through this week as well we got four we're catching up a little bit with Formula E uh in in Portland as well yeah Portland home of that the uh, IndyCar and now Formula E cars and that is a, a a fascinating round to talk about I'm looking forward to that as well because uh that was some racing that certainly split the room on that one places you can find us real quick motorsport101.com for all my thoughts on this race and f1 in austria uh motorsport underscore 101 for us on twitter as well as our personal handles at dre underscore wtf1 at ryan eric king and at rj o'connell um again you can back us on patreon as well patreon.com forward slash motorsport101 if you want to back us financially on there We'll be back for Formula E in Portland. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Ryan Eric King. Until next time, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Sayonara. Bro, if they are serious about charging for access to TweetDeck, this platform is done. <laughs> See y'all on Blue Sky. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs>